Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 84. I have a wonderful gentleman joining me today, Dan Palmer, on holistic decision making. Now, a lot of you guys often say, oh, I thought I wasn't going to listen to that one because it didn't really sound like it was going to be relevant to me, but whoa, I'm so glad I did. So if you're thinking I'm really good at making decisions in my life and I don't need to listen to this one, please listen to it anyway. It is really good. Uh, In fact, um, after Dan and I hung up from the recorded call, we kept chatting for a little bit and he said it'd be really cool to do a live holistic decision-making breakdown um, with you if you were up for it, brave enough, uh, on the show. And I said, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. And actually, I then thought, well, wouldn't it be awesome if someone out there from anywhere in the world, so you don't have to be Australian to tell me you want to do this because we can always sync time zones, um, joined me on the show and we both had a little turn. So if that sounds like something you would be keen to do to join me on the Low Tox Life podcast uh, in a month or two and we get Dan on and we spend a good half hour on uh, something you're trying to nut out and, um, and I'll do the same just to give people a real concrete example of how this comes to life because I felt like in my chat with Dan... I was learning about this for the first time, even though I'd read about it and I'd done my interview prep and I'd read heaps of uh, interviews online, I really felt like we hit our stride in in, in talking about the, the juicy stuff about halfway through and to the end. Um, that's not to say the first half isn't interesting, it absolutely is, but... Um, I I actually felt like by the end, I'm like, oh no, now that I get this, I really, really want to keep talking. And something fascinating that's happened since um, chatting uh, is I have been making decisions very differently just by understanding the concept of what holistic decision-making is. So I'd be very excited to have one of you join me on the show to do such a thing. So let me know if that's you. Just in the comments of today's show notes would be perfect. And I'll, um, if more than one person uh, says that they'd like to try it, uh, then I'll just draw out of the hat from um, random.org because they're nice and impartial and I hate picking people. Um, I don't want anyone ever thinking I've got favourites or anything. So that's what I use, random.org. But um but yeah, so if you'd like to join me, go on the show notes and um, and pop a comment and say, yes, I've been, you know, stuck for a while or I'm, I'm trying to figure out this whole finance thing or career thing or, um, you know, maybe you're single and you want to uh, figure out how you're actually going to uh, find a, a good relationship. I mean, there's, there's so many things we can apply this to. Procrastination even. I mean, it, it is mind-boggling and really effective. I'm very much at the start of my journey with this, but wow, I'm really impressed. So I hope you guys like the show. Now I've got a little bit of housekeeping, a few little notes and things. Please don't forget your time is running out for 20% off Australians uh, for the Walida range. Um, Walida.com.au and uh, our code is LOWTOXLIFE. If you can't get to the show notes anytime soon, you just want to jump straight onto their website, LOWTOXLIFE. And you you even get free shipping for orders $29.95 or more. So it's an amazing deal. Obviously excludes things that are on sale in there or packs or anything like that that are already marked down. But um, everything else, 
is um, is good to go. And for anyone who's just started tuning into the Lotox life recently and you don't understand um, Lotox brands or history of brands or, you, you know, you're just starting to learn all this stuff, I just thought I'd share because I really do think it's um, it's one of the pioneering brands. It's nearly 100 years old. So it was founded in 1920. It was founded by the wonderful and very famous uh, philosopher Rudolf Steiner. And it was when he was beginning his exploration of biodynamic farming and anthroposophical medicine. And um, they are super committed still today to organic sourcing, biodynamic sourcing, wildcrafted sourcing. They have the most incredible cooperative network of farmers around the world. They win so many awards on uh, sustainability practices um, and efficacy of products. So, you know, it's one thing to use something that's sustainable, but the the modern person really wants it to perform as well, just as well as it says it might do on the box. And uh, I find that these products do for sure. I've always loved them since trying that Arnica body oil way back when. And now the body oils, I mean, there's so many new products as well. So for those of you who haven't um, popped on the website for a little while, you've got the whole new range of body oils, which are essentially the same body oils, but they have a pump at the top of their glass packaging now to make it a little bit easier to access. Um, And, you know, you've got the Gosh, what else is new-ish? You've got the kids, shampoo and body wash. My son loves the lime one. Uh, the lip balms, which are gorgeous. A couple of them are tinted. Um, the Acnodaron, which is a problem skin range. So there's actually quite a few new things as well. And um, not so new, but about a year or a year and a half ago, maybe even two years ago now, gosh, time goes fast, is the White Mallow range, um, which is a wonderful range for super, super sensitive skin, people with eczema, very dry patches. It's an ex- Mallow is an excellent cocoon and protector. And um, my little nephew, who's had a few little patches of eczema here and there, he just loves a good massage. And, um, and I love giving him one with the um, I, I, I sort of alternate between the calendula body oil because that's a lovely nostalgic thing for me because that's what I used on my little guy or um, or the white mallow range. Anyway, 20% off. It's not going to be past April, so do make the most of it now while you've got it. Um, and then a couple of other little things to say in the show notes today. I've also reminded you that Mindful in May is coming and we're building a beautiful little community of low toxers who are going to do it together I've set up a private pop-up Facebook group so that we can chat about our findings, learnings, the interviews. Um, Elise Bialiliu, who obviously I interviewed a couple of weeks ago, um, she uh, has got together an incredible cast of mindfulness uh, meditation, uh, setting, you know, intentional living experts from around the globe. And, um, and it's, it's just going to be a really beautiful month. It's all about just meditating 10 minutes a day. So if you've been frustrated that you haven't been able to develop a regular practice or anything like that, it's only $49 she charges for the whole month. And it's a program that outside of Mindful in May is $300. So now is the time to do it. I've got all the details in the show notes so that you can uh, join with us and see our fundraiser page because we're raising funds for clean clean water projects. 50 bucks and someone gets clean water for the rest of their lives in a developing country. I mean, it's not much, right? And we're already up to $100. So we've literally gifted two people um, clean water for the rest of their lives. 
And uh, yeah, so all those details are on the show notes. And I just want to remind you as well that we have set up a Patreon page. So P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Lotox Life if you want to support the show for as little as a dollar a month. And um, by joining as a supporter, you get to join a Lotox Life chat group. I've never had a chat group before because um, I, th- I see chat groups that are in the green space or whole food space and things like that. And there's just so much confusion, um, around what to use, what not to use. There's a lot of people recommending greenwash products. And so I just thought, you know, I'm going to set one up. I'm going to set it up around supporting the show, um, so that I can put some dollars towards, you know, maybe as we get to certain points and I've, I've articulated a few goals on the Patreon page, which you'll see, we can have a practitioner um, or, you know, a pediatrician, doctor, naturopath, nutritionist, environmental scientist to debunk anything around um, around plastics or things like that. Or we can have a building biologist in. And, uh, and I'm just really looking forward to um, building a little community there of people who want to chat about the low-tox topics, who want to chat about the podcast. Uh, it's going to be really fun. So patreon.com forward slash life and, um, and come join me as a supporter. I would really appreciate it. It'd be amazing. Okay, let's get on to the show. Enjoy my chat with Dan. Hello, Dan. How are you? I'm well, Alex. How are you? I'm super well, thank you. And I, uh, just from us being offline right now and just having a little chat before recording, this is the first time you're being interviewed on a podcast because you're usually the one asking the questions. So this is going to be cool. Yeah, it's a a slightly strange feeling. I bet, yeah. (laughs) I'm not in control. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have to be nice to me. That's okay. You can ask me questions too if you start to feel uncomfortable. Okay, I'll do that. (laughs) I'll do that. I'll start asking you questions. That's what I mean. <laughs> um, now, uh, that, I guess that's perfect that I've got a few little icebreaker, quick, fire, quick uh, rapid fire questions to kick us off here. Um, so uh, that'll, that'll break the ice and then we can hook into this amazing topic that we're looking at today. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you what your favourite album of all time was. Or is. Album, or, yeah, well, so I'm not really an album person, but I'm a song person. Oh, right, okay. Right now my favourite song is uh, Spirit Bird by Xavier Rudd. Beautiful. Uh, what does your mum say about the work you do? Uh, well, she actually texted a few days ago and yes. she said, hang on a second, uh, she calls me Daniel. Uh-huh. Hi, Daniel. <laughs> Been enjoying checking you out via your podcast with so-and-so and so-and-so. Good things happening. Very impressed and enviable of your skills with words and expressing yourself. Very eloquent and knowledgeable, my son. There's a love heart. And then I replied, I said, thanks, Mum. You're surely due some credit for that. And she replied saying, very wise response. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What a sweet thing. Did that just come out of the blue? Came out of the blue. Oh, nice. Go, Mum. Yeah. Um, okay. So what piece of advice do you wish you'd had earlier in this life? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, one, one, one thing that just came to mind, so I'll share that, is, is I studied psychology quite a long time ago. Mm. I wish someone had have said to me, read some Carl Jung. Mm, okay. <laughs> do you feel like you would have understood everything way earlier had you done that? 
it, it would have it would have it would have marked an earlier entry into a, a really exciting landscape that yeah, I'm, cool. I'm entering now like you know could have happened 20 years ago yeah gosh retrospect it's a killer sometimes isn't it <laughs> um okay a book you love to recommend possibly that one possibly although I often get asked to recommend books, and I, never, I don't have blanket recommendations. I always like to get to know the person a little bit. I have only known you for a few minutes, Alex, but <laughs> let, me, let me think. I think for you, I would recommend The Path of Least Resistance by oh, Robert. Nice, Beautiful. nice. You, you, you mentioned, I think, earlier in the day, you had your hour, your, your hour of power, but yeah. I got the impression maybe it was a little bit of overwhelm or something, and it's a beautiful little book that really helps um, – Helps, helps with that kind of thing. Love it. No, that is a brilliant recommendation. Thank you. Um, okay, dark chocolate or mango, if you had to choose? If I had to choose, well, I would be drifting towards the mango, but as soon as I think mango, I think jackfruit, and jackfruit is the fruit for me because they grow in the same place, and I'm a huge fan of jackfruit. Cool. Okay. Uh, sustainability idol and why? Well, that, that's an easy one for me. It's Christopher Alexander. Uh-huh. And um, the radical architect and kind of visionary cosmologist and all kinds of things. And the reason is that he, I don't, I haven't come across many people in my lifetime that I, that, that that land for me as being one to two hundred years ahead of their time. Mm. You know, and that you know, a century from now, some of what Alexander um, has gifted us will start arriving for people. Yeah, gosh, uh, and there's um. That's a, that's a really great one, actually, and it's such an interesting topic, isn't it, the people who are here ahead of their time? That would be a beautiful chapter book, a look at a few people like that. Mm-hmm, for sure. Mm. Okay, so shall we talk holistic decision-making? Yes, please. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, so I'd love to learn a little bit about you. I mean, you mentioned psychology degree, but mm. what was it like for you sort of on the path to doing the study that you've done, and you've done a lot of study, to coming to do what you do today? And I know that's quite a few things that you've yeah. got on the go, but um, in, the, in the context of holistic decision-making, I'd love to hear a little bit of background. Sure. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll condense it all into a little nutshell. So... Um, I grew up by a lovely little lake in New Zealand. Um, at some point, I found myself at university. Eleven years later, I stumbled out into the sunlight from the <laughs> dark office, um, kind of blinking and wondering what all that had been about. Um, a little while after that, I got into permaculture, um, which was a beautiful kind of – it was like therapy or something or an antidote to all that time spent um, playing with words effectively, getting my hands in the soil. Uh, that led to starting a business, um, a company called Very Edible Gardens, and because we had no idea about running a business, that soon, you know, that was a, it was a, it was a chaos, chaotic situation, and the business was throwing us around. Um, it was like a like a horse we were strapped to, dragging us through the dust. And um, at that time, I did a workshop on something called holistic management, uh, which gave me a few clues on a, on an approach to decision making. There was um, created by a guy called Alan Savory uh, quite a while ago, like mm-hmm. 70s, 60s, 70s, that kind of period. Um, and that's where it started. And so we applied holistic management um, in Alan Savory's uh, mould to our business, and it worked wonders. Turned the thing around and stopped being a monster that was devouring us um, and became something that was actually serving us and, and, and contributing quality, quality to our lives. And from there, I thought, wow, that was good. Um, I started, we applied it. To, to my family, I 
apply to myself and I, you know, I use it with all my clients and all the other enterprises and projects I'm part of. Awesome. And can you give me an example of a specific aspect of your business that gave you such a light bulb around this? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you one. So one of the first things this, this approach um, invites you to do, I should maybe I'll mention now that I've, I've since adapted into what I call holistic decision making, but yeah. very much takes its inspiration, inspiration from this holistic management. Um, what, what both invite you to do early on is to tune into what you need to be feeling is true of your involvement in the thing, in this case in the business, um, if, you're, if you're going to be lifted up, if you're, if you're going to um, experience kind of joy and and feel more alive in virtue of being involved. And so the first thing that came up for us was that we were constantly feeling unprofessional, disor- disorganized and unrushed. Mm-hmm. It was chaos. And that was really, that, that was not good, you know, it didn't feel good. So the first quality of life statement, we might talk about these later, we wrote down was, we are professional, organized and unrushed. And from that moment on, we started making decisions that served that, the truth of that. Wow. So it can be the truth that is apart from you, that seems apart from you at the start of things, but it's almost like you step into it. Is that? Yeah, yeah. You create, you, you, you create, you clearly articulate the space that you want to be in. Mm. And once you've done that, you then start making decisions that take you into that space. And it sounds so kind of blindingly obvious, but it's Mm. quite hard to do. Um, It's not how we've been brought up. No, it's not. And we've actually been brought up to think that such sort of forms of visualisation, intention setting, it's all a bit hippie woo-woo. And, um, yeah. and, and I just think there's just so much, so much like staggering logic to it, you know, if you can articulate it well enough, if you want it enough, if you're frustrated by your current situation enough, then of course there are other places to step into that are far more joyful and effective and all the good things. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. So... Um, so how do you then today in the way that you've taken holistic management and, and created holistic decision-making, how do you define that in, a, in simple terms? In a simple terms, yeah. So there's four, there's four parts to it uh, or four layers to it in, in its simplest incarnation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first part is getting clear on where you really want to be Second part is getting clear on where you are currently. Third part is getting clear on what you've got to be doing to get from where you are to where you really want to be. And the last uh, layer is um, what are the indicators or what's going to tell you if if it's happening, if what you're doing is taking you from where you are to where you want to be. That's, that's it. That's the whole thing in a nutshell. Yeah, okay. And you've got a PhD, right? I do. So what did you do that in? Was, uh, that, was, was that this or something? No, no, it's prior? Just subsequently, although it, it informs this, but mm, I was going to say into the question of what psychology is about. <laughs> Not a small question. <laughs> you just I, thought you'd you'd go really niche, right? <laughs> yeah, thought I'd sort that out. That, that, that took, and I, I ended up getting into you know, if you if you sit, if you kind of follow your 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 nose in a PhD context, you end up deeper than any. The splits between the, the the disciplines. So I was swimming around in philosophy and anthropology and um, sociology, economic psychology, and and exploring some of the kind of foundational assumptions underneath our modern civilization. Right. And yeah. do you see that thesis, that incredibly huge body of work that is a PhD, um, popping up for you in the in the formation of the work you do now? 
Yeah, it's a beautiful feeling actually because that was a that was a big part of my life. You know, mm. it's five some five or six year process, and after that, I kind of I I, I was a bit um, I don't know, a bit pissed off with with getting out into the world and realizing that there was all these practical hands-on useful things I could have been doing all that time. But, and I, and I've been, and then I was into permaculture for like 11 or 12 years. And now I'm feeling this beautiful, um, merging or reintegration of these different parts of myself where, yeah, the things I learned along with the skills of writing and thinking and, and all that, um, during my PhD years, they're really deeply informing what I'm doing now. Mm, so oh. cool. Uh, could you mind my asking how old you are? I don't mind you asking. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you, well, how old are you? <laughs> you can ask. Yeah. Do you mind if I don't tell you? No, I'm just kidding. I'm 44. Awkward. I just turned 44 a couple of days ago. Yeah, cool. So I'm going to be 43 this year. And oh, wow. I don't know if it's a realisation that one has when one hits their stride into the 40s, but I feel like life is this patchwork quilt that all through growing up and even in your 20s and most of your 30s, for me anyway, I didn't feel like I knew how the pieces were all coming together yet. And I finally now feel like all the pieces are coming together. Mm, Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, it's possibly a topic we'll talk about this idea of life and pieces, Mm. togetherness. Yeah, cool. Okay. Very central to holistic decision making. Exactly. So um, I guess I'd love to ask you what you what you see most commonly in terms of like people today and how the lack of holistic decision-making is impacting us as a society because we seem pretty knee-jerk these days. Uh, Very um, quick grab, very convenience-driven, and uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, so the the thing that comes, rises to the top for me amongst it all is is that it's very easy in the modern age to get into a space where we're – kind of running in circles, um, dealing with problems and stresses that crop up, but often in a way where we can't focus enough to, to resolve them properly. So we, we deal with them superficially in ways that you know, we, we, in the act of putting out one fire, we light another two and so on. Mm-hmm. And life can sort of fall into this, this chaotic kind of coping space or surviving um, space. And, and, and because there's, we, we, we don't have enough kind of stillness or space to take stock of it all. We, we struggle to ex- extract it ourselves from it and become overwhelmed and you're know, dominated by, or, or by the phone and the inbox and, and, and all these different um, things we take on. And life becomes this juggling act where we're trying to reconcile or assemble family and career and friends and, you know, all these different pieces. We're trying to bring them back together into some sort of whole. And it's, it doesn't. It's not working for people. Mm. They're feeling this um, disintegration or disintegratedness in the fabric of life, and it's you know it's a stress. It's a massive stress, and then I feel like um, compounding that stress is then the bombardment of messages that we're not enough. Um, the bombardment of messages that the happiness is in the next big brand name handbag. Um, you know all the things. So we end up with Botox and four thousand dollar handbags. But debt and um, unhappiness. <laughs> yes, that's a nice example of digging to, ourselves deeper and deeper yeah. into these holes. Yeah, you're trying to you're trying to fill up one hole, but digging two in the process. You see, so you're trying to fill up the hole of yeah, yeah. If there's something missing. I don't feel enough by buying another product or another experience, which itself just generates more of the same. And, and, and like you say, that the, the, a large part of the system is is built on perpetuating 
this whole kind of downward spiral of, oh, you're not enough, so now you need to consume this. Oh, now you even feel less enough, so. Absolutely. And, and just in case anyone's listening who happens to have a $4,000 handbag or Botox, it's not a judgment of, of either of those outcomes or choices. It's more just really looking at um, society and how, you know, we, we are given answers for things that won't fix bigger problems that we actually have as a society. And I really believe that. Oh, totally. And they not only won't fix them, they're, they're the very thing that's creating them in the first place. Yeah, it's, wow. Okay. It's 22 situation. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So um, I, I've read a little bit about you and the, the workshops you do. I'm really looking forward to um, sending people a bit further on once we talk about um, what a two-day workshop in holistic decision-making looks like um, to your upcoming permaculture and Milkwood permaculture event. But just mm -hmm. for now, like in doing the research I've done, I've seen you say a couple of times actually that the barrier to entry is low but the scope is deep in terms mm. of what you can apply holistic decision making to yep. can you share with us what you mean by that i sure can i sure can so um at the entry level holistic decision making is another tool mm -hmm. it's, it's a tool or an approach to starting to help um, bring clarity about how you how you really want your life to be deep down yeah you need to be doing to to steer your life into that space um but as you as you start to use it and go deeper into it you you it gradually reveals itself to you for what it really is which is a different different way of being alive you know it's a different way of approaching cool because I'd, I'd imagine you'd be peeling back some of the layers of what we think it has to be like as well totally mm. very very much so yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. And uh, in terms of um, the barrier to entry being low, do you mean like like it's easy to hook people onto why this is important or why it's useful or appealing? Yeah. The, the way I'm um, conceiving it currently is that uh, the, the full Monty, you can think of you know the, the, the full embodiment of this approach as, as the luxury yacht. Mm -hmm. But there's also the, the – you can start with – you can just pick up the surfboard – yeah. which it's not all there, just some of the core aspects of it are there. And you can grab the surfboard, you can, you can go out and paddle along, catch a wave, and, you, and without a lot of, you know, without having to take days of, of time off to, to, to do soul searching and navel gazing, you can be up and running in a couple of minutes and, and get a little bit of a taste of, oh, that was really helpful. You know, it might just be um, you're going into a conference, let's say, and you know it's going to be a bit chaotic and, and you, you take some time to get clear about how you'd like to be feeling as you walk out of the conference two days from now or whatever. And then you use that inside the experience of being at the conference to inform the decisions you make about, you know, how you spend your time, who you speak to when you decide to duck out and take a bushwalk to, to chi up for the next session um, and so on. And and in a simple incarnation like that, it, you know, it's it, you get a taste of, oh, wow, that, that was really sensible. What would that mean to apply it to the next week or the next year or to my life as a whole or to my business and so on? So I'm, I'm approaching it where it's really important to me. It's like that thing, if you start going to the gym um, or a new diet or whatever, you, you want to do the minimum amount you have to to get a result mm. um, that, that then justifies you going further and maybe going deeper. Yeah. Yeah, Tim Ferriss talks about that actually, minimum minimum effort for maximum effective output like effective result measurement and it's so true we, we need that and we need to feel like we're able to measure something as being uh either useful successful it's working 
um, mm. to to keep wanting to do it. So is that what you're saying with um, with thinking more holistically about the way we decide to do things? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, okay. and, and I'm conscious too that often the reason people might be interested in list decision making is because they feel overwhelmed. There's so much going on. So if it becomes another thing to overwhelm them that requires a whole lot of effort up front, that suddenly the entry barrier is huge. Whereas if it's able to um, be be shared with them in a way where it's like, oh, okay, you know, I, I can get a taste of this in, in ten minutes, or, mm. or and, and I can, I, I'm already getting something useful. You know, I'm getting something useful from the very beginning. Right, um, and it's so- not. It's not, it's it's a, from from early on. It's about continuing to get utility or value back, rather than making a, a risky investment of time in a time scarce in life. You know, um, before you before you get any kind of make a profit or get a return, so to speak. Yeah, cool. So, when that person is overwhelmed, uh, what's the thing that you would like? Let's just say you, Dan, yep. are standing next to the overwhelmed person, yep. and you haven't been able to get buy-in from them on coming to your workshop. Let's say, um, but you see them in their state of overwhelm. What uh, do you take a step back for yourself and actually put forward as the way to help them realize that this is actually really going to help them? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing is I. I, I did. At that stage, I'd have no interest in them necessarily coming to my workshop. <laughs> so there'd be some, you know, that, they're um, not ready, and that's part of it. It, it may be a good decision for them; it may not, and and um, maybe that's something that we'd explore if the conversation continued. Mm. But first thing I'd do would be present to the context. You know, are they a friend? Are they a stranger? What's the nature of our interaction, and how how long have we got to spend together? Yeah. But um, one one. Simple example of how you might start. I mean, it would be nice to have an actual overwhelmed person in front of me right now. You, <laughs> you, I don't know. Are you? You're not really an overwhelmed person. No, I'm not. I'm afraid. I'm quite chill. Okay, well, so you know, for example, might be we, we get to talking. What's going on for you? And and as they're talking, they're revealing aspects of what's going on for them. Uh-huh. Uh, and sometimes it might be there to do with their their body language, as they mention a certain top, topic. Whatever it is, I'm just being present and I'm, I'm just following the cues and, and eventually we'll start to get into the ballpark park of something that, that, that's significant to them. And it might be questions around, what, you know, what's stressing you out at the most at the moment? Let's say they say, uh, you know, my finances, you know, yesterday I spent, had to spend $6,000 on my kids' braces and, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to have our Christmas holiday this year, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah, that's a pretty valid one. I'm sure many parents have been through that one. Yeah, yeah. So it would be tuning into that, and um, okay. So so that's that's a stress right now. And then and then, so what you're saying is you'd like to feel a sense of financial security or prosperity or whatever it is. Like turn it around from a negative into what would it mean if what would, what would a positive statement be such that if that was true, this this would this major stress would be gone. You know, so it's, it's a fairly straightforward sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Really, I would love that. That would that would be amazing, you know, for that to be gone and to feel feel a sense of prosperity or or know there's plenty of money in the bank. Um, and then the conversation, this imaginary conversation, I proceed. <laughs> well, you're saying imaginary, but I can see this playing out for many yeah, yeah. people. So it's it's a pretty good example. So so what we've just done is we've honed it on one aspect of where this person really wants to be, right? Yeah. Which is one of the layers. Um, and and in the process, I'm all, I'm also tuning into where they are now, you know, in in, in, a, in a very partial way. And then the next question will be might be something like, okay, you tell me about yesterday or, or, or choose a day next week or something like that. And and I might invite people to say, what what are some of if you if you'd started that day where you're in, your 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 key focus 
was prosperity or financial security. If that was, if that was front and center, if that was your guiding staff for that day of your life, tell me what might have happened on that day. What, what might have you done towards that? You know, forget about all the other stuff that was distracting you. Okay, you know, we, they might need a bit of prompting. We'll come up with some things. Okay. And wow. suddenly, suddenly what they've got now is something they can do for the rest of today or tomorrow. Simple, you know, simple little things where it's just getting into that, that um, space of, yeah, drop into what matters to me, even if the way you get there is by what's stressing me right now, and, and start to use that to guide the decisions you make, you know, now, the next hour, and the next day, and the next week, and so on. And, and if, if you're able to start doing that, guess what? Mm. <laughs> start moving in the direction you really want to go. That is so cool. So this is like an anti-paralysis situation yeah that's right well yeah, it's, yeah totally and, mm. and, it, and it might start by saying let's let's as as much as is appropriate right now given our relationship and our time frame let's go as deep as is appropriate into what's causing the paralysis because the 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 absence of paralysis is on the other side of the paralysis it's, it's like the beauty is on the other side of the pain it's you can't you can't Unless you do something about it, the root cause of what's causing the overwhelm or whatever those problematic symptoms are, it's not going to go away. Mm. And that's not negotiable. That's 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 how reality works. Um, so let's dip into it, but not for the sake of, of of exacerbating the suffering or the discomfort or the overwhelm, for the sake of getting clear enough about it so that we can get some direction on how you start to move from where you are right now to a place where that's not being such a pain in the bum. Right. Okay. So, and can we, sorry, sorry, say something. I think, um, I think I cut over you then. I was just saying, again, as I hear myself saying this, it's like, yeah, that's common sense, but it's, it's surprising, uh, how we don't do it more. (laughs) Yes, I, I totally agree. And I think, do you think part of it is that whole, um, like it's more newsworthy or it's going to make for a better reality show if, if so, if things are exacerbated and drawn out and dragged out rather than being solved. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think I think one thing that can happen is as these things accumulate and we can um, we can get into a state of in psychology it can be called learned helplessness. It's just too hard. There's too much going on, and when I, if I figure out this, another ten things are there biting me in the bum. Um, there's this. I think there's a strange kind of space we can get into where yeah, like you say, I don't know. It's almost like we get. I don't know if I want to say addicted to the, um, the, the, the the suffering there or something, but but certainly we can get into a space where um, the drama of it all starts to um, leave the reality behind, and, mm-hmm. and and often what's then causing the stress is is kind of our our story about what's happening. When if we can kind of pop that balloon and just um, just be present to what it, what is what is going on here. And realize that in general, in, in this culture, in this time, we, we have so many options, we have so many resources at our disposal, and there's so many different ways of, of getting out of the space we're in um, and, and moving forward and progressing. Yeah, wow. Um, I, I almost wanted to keep going with that imaginary example. I was like, are they going to be okay? <laughs> <laughs> They're they going to be okay. But let's just say we're in a workshop of yours and this person has put forward this um, example. And um, 
and you then bump into them a week later, or I'd imagine you'd get quite a few feedback emails or people yeah. wanting to write to you and report, oh, my gosh, this, like I'd, I'd say that would be quite common for the work you do. Yeah. Um, what does that person then share with you a month down the track potentially? Um, well, I can give you this, a taste of some of the things people say after a workshop. Yeah, for sure. Uh Yes, I mean, one that really touched me, I did a watch a couple of weeks ago, um, and a friend of mine, someone who already knew Angela, she she participated, and the next day she's uh, got some of it here. Oh, maybe I'll just read. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So, so she said, I had a feeling the workshop would be a complete game changer for me, and oh, oh boy, it has been. I feel like my fog of overwhelm has been lifted and I've so much more head and heart space to be present in my life. I was a completely different mum yesterday, <laughs> purely because I knew exactly where I needed to be, doing exactly what I needed to be doing, and whenever I started to stray off course, I could come back to centre because I actually knew where centre was, rather than just having a vague, unpleasant sense of being generally off alignment. Wow. I really, really feel there's no going back for me now. <laughs> so to get stuff like that, yeah, and I've never heard that, that in, in in particular, in, in, in reference to the experience of being a, a different mum. Yeah. Um, and I, I think a lot of parents feel slightly off kilter and don't know how to to bring themselves back to alignment. So that's a that's a huge positive. And do you feel like um, like how let's let's talk about parenting and parents mm-hmm. and what alignment looks like at the moment because the stories I sort of see over and over again. Um, I um, have a, a course that educates um, parents in helping kids just grow up loving real food, you know, because that's that's a huge problem in our society is kids not loving actual food and just eating white pasta all day or, um, you know, processed snacks and all these sorts of things. And, and, I'm, and, and you know that the parent doesn't want that to be the reality but sometimes they really struggle to bring in the boundaries and the gentle discipline and all the things that are needed to push this forward more into a place they want to be. What can we recommend to parents in that space? Mm, um, yeah, a good, a good question. Mm. I, I'm, I happen to be a parent myself. <laughs> How many, oh, who are your kids? How old are they? Uh, I've got two daughters. Oh, beautiful. Four about to turn five and, and Robin is seven. Oh, lovely. I've got a little eight-year-old dude. Oh, cool. Mm. Yeah, well, one thing with holistic decision-making is you, you can apply it to anything you're making decisions about, so yourself, your business, your family. So in our case, we've, we've created a – we call it a context for our family, which the what that means is a is a, a one-page diagrammatic – if you want, you could call it a vision statement, but um, it, it captures what we really want to be true as in what we want to be feeling if our experience of being a family together is, is everything we think it could be. And and that helps us give us a centre, which doesn't mean we depart, and it doesn't mean the kids never mung out in carbs or, or whatever. But it can start to if you can articulate collaboratively in a family if this is more than one of you, and you you can be present to what really matters to you, it can start to it can it can generate enough um, kind of a magnetic pull or enough energy. To, to start to do the things you need to do to make that possible because, of course, it's not enough just to say, oh, we're going to, you know, we want the kids to only eat this kind of food or, or to avoid this kind of food. When life is what it is, it's overwhelming, there's so much going on, you need some kind of strategy to to help lift up and um, justify the, the importance of, of, of the decisions underlying creating a space where 
where that those issues start to go away. Mm, interesting. Um, and so, like, is it a, is it as simple as? Um, well, it's probably not simple, simple, but is it uh, is it really about just sitting down and writing out exactly what you would love to see happen around a dinner table as a family, for example? So potentially, so you, you can apply this to... As your first step, I mean. I don't mean, wow, we're done. Okay, everything's perfect. A, that might be a low, a, an easy entry point is to say, yeah. let's apply this to our experience of eating dinner together yeah. as a family. Oh, because it's, what it's a nightmare for so experience. many families. It's crazy. So you could create a context for that. Mm. And, and rather than focusing oh, you know, on what you don't want to be happening, you, you, you turn it around and say, what do we deeply want to be happening here? And at some point it might be good for us to talk about the distinction between a goal and a quality of life statement. Oh, um, okay. Well, you can last... do that now if you want. Yeah, maybe let's get that out of yeah. the way. It's a, it's a hugely critical distinction to understanding this approach because um, it, pe- people aren't often aware how dangerous goals are, mm-hmm. okay. aware of the potential tyranny of goals. And a lot of us have heard about the importance of setting goals and pursuing our goals and achieving our goals and all this kind of thing. But goals are, are they, they are, um, or objectives you could call them, Goals or objectives are kind of specific things you want to achieve at some point in the future. So I want to be a lawyer or I want to have 10 grand in the bank or I want to be doing yoga twice a week for the next year, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. I, I don't want the kids to be eating any pasta. <laughs> oh, well, I'm just like a bit of pasta every now and then's fine, but I just know, yeah, I want to, you we know, call I, it the white food syndrome where it's like the only thing that a child will accept sometimes. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm hooked on it. But everyone knows what a goal is. Yeah, gotcha. It's, and often we end up construing life as um, a matter of, of, of balancing goals, of juggling goals, because, you know, we don't just want to stagnate or go in circles. We need goals, right? But we, we lose the distinction between a goal and, and what I call, from, from Alan Savory's work in, in retainers language and holistic decision-making, a quality of life statement. Mm-hmm. So I'd like you to clarify, because I, I really think it is a very – Powerful and useful distinction. Last week I was on a, a workshop and I asked the, the group, um, asked someone to, to give me a goal. And someone said, um, I want to be teaching you know, twice a week for the next year or something like that. Yeah. And that's a goal. And to start to illustrate the difference, I asked her, what, well, the, way, the, the thing is that if you, goals are, are gateways into quality of life. So I said, why? Tell me, what, why is that? Well, I love teaching. Okay, uh, tell me more about that. Why do you love teaching? How does it make you feel? Thought about that. Well, when I'm teaching, I'm learning. You know, it kind of motivates me to, to be learning, and I love learning. I love, I love the feeling of, 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 of growing as a person and learning new things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can feel it, but what what we're doing, we we're going deeper into the into yeah, the motivations, yeah. and we're moving from a goal space into a quality of life space. So this person mm-hmm. might then say, okay, I'm going to draft up a quality of life statement, which might be something like, um, you know, I'm constantly learning, growing, and evolving. That's something that's base level for me. You know, it's, it's, it, that that is a core ingredient of what quality of life means for me in my life. Like another example, my, so personally, I, I have quality of life statements for, for myself. And, and one of them is that I'm doing, being, creating what I love in a way that serves others in a more beautiful world. Beautiful, you know, yeah. That's not, that's not a goal. Mm, <laughs> that's, no, no. 
that for, for me to reach the end of my life, to, for me to imagine myself being present at my own 80th birthday and let's hear, hearing my best friend reading a, you know, making a toast to me um, or, or whatever, looking back on, on, on my life as a whole, that's one thing that isn't negotiable for me. You know, that's something I deeply want to be feeling is, is true day by day by day by day. And so a huge part of this approach is realizing how, how dangerous goals can be because we, we accumulate goals from our culture, from our family, from our parents, and, and life becomes this thing of trying to hold all these goals. And it turns out that some of those goals require that we go in different directions to the extent that chasing these two goals literally tears us apart and creates all this stress and um, and, 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 and issues. And, and if we can realize that the point of a goal is not never itself, it's always to bring us quality, to mm. us quality of life, that's what matters. And we create these, these things I call context, which are, among other things include a bunch of quality of life statements. Suddenly we have this kind of umbrella um, and we realize that some of the goals we're currently holding, they, just, they don't fit. They don't belong. They don't, they don't authentically serve what we're really here to do and to be. And it's time to let them go. And, and is this a- why we fail at so many of the goals we set, do you think? Totally. Well, I mean, yeah. there's, there's a bunch of reasons, but one of the reasons is that they're incompatible and contradictory and they, they rattle us and pull us in different directions. Um, another one is that we take on too many. And another one is that some of them don't really serve or feed us. Mm. And that's, that's a lot of people come out of engaging with us or workshops or whatever with some of these realizations like, wow, you know, I just thought it was really important to be doing all this voluntary work, let's say, but I've realized I can ax half of it, which on the one hand is like, hang on, I'm, I'm doing half this good work. But, you know, no, it's not. It's, it's about quality of life. And now suddenly I've got this extra space and, and the, the half of the voluntary work, let's say, that I'm continuing to do, I can bring so much heart and soul to it rather than constantly feeling stressed and overwhelmed and so on. What One person, Josh, um, on a workshop, I remember, he, he had a light bulb moment. He said, I think I just got it. <laughs> I, I, I've been living my life without prioritizing my own happiness. <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. And I think that moment there'd be people all over the world right now going, oh, gosh, I have not prioritized my own happiness. Yeah, I'm chasing all these goals and I'm suffering along the way. You know, what's the point? Mm. You know, and, and it's not about this is not about being selfish because, I mean, there's a there's a I've heard there's lots of quotes to this effect, but. But if you're not being who you really are and living the life you're here to live and feeling this um, richness and aliveness and wholeness and integrity inside yourself, you, you're not. It's not only that's great for you. Until you're in, in that kind of ballpark, you're not that much used to anyone else or the rest of the world. You know, so it's kind of like a starting point. Is that okay? So this is interesting, and I've had a I've had a conversation with a lot of people who've only had one child because that's uh, my reality, yep. and I just never felt called to go again. I never did, mm-hmm. um, I, but I was absolutely one hundred percent sure of my little man, and you know, and it was quite spooky in how that all played out, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I just never felt called to do it again. And then of course, you know, societal guilt, like the people that just ask you incessantly, "Oh, aren't you going to provide?" with a little friend and you know, all the all the things and I I just knew that I wouldn't be a great mum if I had to it, for me personally it just wasn't going to work if I had to do it for two children I knew it yep. um, very deep in my bones and uh, and I'd much prefer to to go super solidly on the one intentionally set child you know of course we have beautiful mistakes all around the world made every day and gorgeous kids that turn up that were a bit of a surprise and um and of course we choose to bring them into the world or not you know it's everyone's right and um 
And I think uh, it's very interesting, um, uh, that conversation where, you know, had I had two children, like sometimes I, I, you know, you think about things and I think, no, actually, I think I did actually, it's just in hearing you say, prioritize my own happiness. I also prioritize my own realistic expectations of myself to be able to stay happy as well in making that decision for, for us as a family. And, um, and, you know, can you imagine if you're then unhappy and then you're unhappy in your relationship as well, because you're always such a drag because you you did something for the expectation of others over the expectation of your own life and how you wanted that to play out. I find it really interesting. Oh, it's a fascinating topic. Yeah. One part of this is once, once you tap into the territory of quality of life statements, there's no specificity, there's no, there's no detail about how that might play out in your life and other layers of this approach kind of get the rubber hitting the road. Like what are the kinds of things we need to be doing if these things have any chance of being true and not just becoming this pithy aspirational mission statement we put up, put in a drawing and let gather dust. But the point is once you've, once you've, Got into this space and articulated what really, what what's most important to you or your family or whatever it is. Then, as life unfolds, you can make decisions that inject truth, you know, or, or bring you those feelings. And you, you've got no way of knowing what life's going to bring you, and no way of knowing what the best decisions are going to be in in the, in the moment. And 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 we also we've got no idea um, about what our own capacity for growth is you know a year from now we might say we're never going to do x or or we're definitely going to do y a year from now that might um, flip around and so rather than feeling a sense of oh god i'm a bit of a hypocrite because i said that now the quality of life there's no hypocrisy in quality of life you know this, this is it's something you can reassess over and over again yeah it's 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 the it's it's the core of how you want to be showing up and how often do you recommend we do a little check-in with ourselves on that quality of life statement. Well, I mean, it's 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 start start in a way that works for you. But you know, depending on what you're talking about, if you're talking about your own personal quality of life statements, it's the kind of thing that you want to check on them regularly enough. Like for a long time, I've checked at least in on them at least daily. But you want to get to a space where they they enter the, your bloodstream. Mm. You know, they're in self, they're present inside the the fabric of the entire day. So the they're, they're here right now, but they're inside me right now. They're inside you right now. And we're bringing them to the moments of choice. And part of this is is bringing to the foreground the fact that every day we all make thousands, hundreds of thousands of decisions. Mm. And that's all we get. That's, that is the steering wheel that life gives us. Yeah. That, you know, there's nothing else but the decisions we make. And so suddenly it's like, shit, that's it. <laughs> the decisions I make. I better take responsibility for making the right decisions for me. And I, and I and you and you can't do that until you know where you really want to be heading, where you are, and where the steering wheel is. You know. Yeah. Wow. So a friend last night who's who's in a bit of a um, uh, situation. Mm. You know, just need needs to to make some decisions and and, and kind of um, kind of stagnating in, in, in the space he's in. And I was talking on the phone. And I said, "Don't forget, you're you're holding the steering wheel. You know, at any moment." You can, you can, you can. And it turned out he was sitting in a car that moment. He was holding the steering wheel, and that, that's that's part of this too. And it was actually part of the reason I said jackfruit on the dark chocolate or mango question is we often we often construe uh, a decision making opportunity as well. If there's option A, B, maybe C, yeah. and you just one of the three. But 
almost always there's option A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, there's, yeah. there's well, there's that little box you can check, which is other, and then please explain. You know. yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I kind of yeah invite invite people to live inside the the other box or yeah, outside. Yeah, nice. Case may be, and not be constrained by these yeah, arbitrarily tiny um, arrays of, of, of options, because so so often. The right decision is, is not a decision that you were aware of was possible a moment ago. You know, it's kind of what's what's going on here right now, deeply, and how, how can I make a decision that 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 honors and accommodates me and and, and everyone else in the in the situation, and and that's that's when holistic decision making reaches its highest level of expression when you are proactively making decisions that are steering the course of your life into the space your heart most truly desires, and that, and that's a, I you know I, I dip in and out of that space, but man. It's it's a lovely place to be. Yeah, sounds like a great place, not just for a holiday. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for a holiday. Just, why not just turn life into a holiday? Yeah. Oh, but we do it as humans. We go to these seminars or one-day things and, and like, you know, often I'm not talking about holistic decision-making, obviously, because this will then become the tool for you to navigate all the rest of them, but... Um, you know, where you get pumped up with some exciting message and then nothing actually changes. Is the piece missing there, the fact that we haven't reflected on our own quality of life statement in relation to that information provided to us that day um, and therefore we're not actually able to practically implement it because it's not in the fabric of our being? I think I think that's totally part of it, yeah. And there's, there is also a thing around, you, you know, you go to – these kinds of inspirational workshops or experiences and you, you feel that buzz, you know, you feel things inside your body um, and then you like go a back. Drug. It's like a drug. You, mm. you get a hit. Mm. You, get, you get the good vibes flowing and then you go back to your life, which which has a structure and it's very hard not to, you know, it's, it's basically full of ruts and it's very hard not just to fall back into those ruts um, and the hit dissipates. And so, you know, in the next month or the, the next year, you want another hit, so you, you go back to another workshop, and you know it's possible to enter that circuit, which is not a again not a, absolutely not a judgment. It's 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 kind of a, it, it's it makes sense, but you know whether it's a workshop on holistic decision making or whatever else, until something can switch, where it's like okay, I know I know I know that's a pattern that that but this this time you know I want to. I want to step off the circuit of, of needing to get these hits from outside. I, I, I want to cultivate enough discipline and and focus to be able to um, move forward with this. And and I, it's about the match between where the, where someone is at and the experience they're part of. You know, it's it's there's no you know this workshop will work for these people, not for others, or this book or this experience or whatever else. But mm-hmm. it's something there is that. Um, I remember Alan Savory telling a story once. He was in a group of holistic management practitioners and one of them had really thrived using this approach someone said why have you done so well why why have you done so well because we've all had this training we're all trying to do it how come you've been so successful and Alan Sabre was in the audience and he leaned forward because he really wanted to hear what the person said and the person walked to the front of the stage he said the discipline to do it mm. <laughs> yeah and at some point that's that, take action yeah yeah it's it's on each of us to take responsibility for for, for being alive. <laughs> yeah, and we live in a time yeah. where discipline is seen as such a drag, right? So how do we make discipline more joyful, more – how do we realise the, the potential that discipline has to play in a better life? Yeah, well, I mean, the obvious answer to that for me is is that what what are you cultivating discipline towards? Because if, you, if you're cultivating discipline towards this goal or that goal or that goal, 
it's it's not necessarily going to be inherently rewarding. But if you're holding cultivating discipline towards making decisions in your life that that bring you quality in your life, then that's a different thing. Hmm. Yes. Hundred percent. So really, it does just keep coming back to doing that defining work in the first place. Yeah, I mean that's that's a non-negotiable part of it. Is where do you be really? I'm not talking about goals. We're talking about the things that most deeply need to be true of your involvement in whatever the thing is you're talking about: your farm, your family, your business, your mm. workshop, yourself. And until and yeah, we I I encourage and give people ways of writing those down and capturing them sort of semi-diagrammatically on a page. But whether you write it down or you just carry it in your heart or whatever, unless you're present to that in the moment of choice, because what happens is that. The universe constantly forces our hand. It, it kind of says, okay, decision time. And often it comes in the form of a problem. Um, sometimes it's an invitation or an opportunity. And there's a lot going on in the moment. And we tend to make decisions that, that kind of bias the the problem that's screaming the loudest or the friend that's, that's advising us to go this way or, or possibly what Google says or whatever. And in, unless we've done that prior work of, of clarifying what after all through and after all these decisions what we really want to be getting out of it it's it's hard it's you know it's, it's hard to connect the decisions to that because the, the idea is that once you've done that you've articulated that stuff um what one participant described it as it felt he said it felt like looking into his heart putting the content of his heart on paper and then with the rational mind figuring out how to fulfill those those dreams but until you've got that you don't have the filter. And the idea is that now you've got this filter, when a decision comes up, whether the universe forces your hand or you proactively say, I, I'm hungry, you know, I want to progress my life. What, how, what's today going to, how, how, how's today going to fit into my life as a whole and take me forward? It's like this filter and you can drop potential actions or decisions into the filter and see if they get through. And if they get through, you know, then, then you move forward. Yeah, wow. So I've got a challenge for everybody. Uh, scrolling through social media, does it get through once you've done your defining work? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a lot that could be said about that. Yeah, wow. This is exciting. I'm, I'm very excited by this. So um, question for you then. In the context of like, let's just say people have been married for years and years and no one's ever done that work and then you do that work and you find out you want something completely different. Like have you ever experienced that in your workshops, for example? Well, I, I had one experience where people knew I did this work and one of them had done another course with me and they arrived um, and they were a husband and wife when they arrived. Mm. Um, but, and we talked about what people wanted at the workshop and we, they said, we are here to create a context for our divorce. Oh wow! Pretty brave and amazing. So yeah. they 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 had already realised that what they were really about didn't overlap anymore, um, and they and they were there to, um, in a, you know, in a, to to respect that and and go to the place of saying, well, because they had kids, so what what's this going to look like? Let's let's do some work and effectively design the way this is going to be as good as it possibly could be, given that we're getting divorced and we we still want to honour our kids and you know they, they're going to have access to both of us and that kind of stuff. Um, in terms of people finding that, uh, so far that hasn't happened on a workshop, or people haven't gone, <laughs> people haven't gone home after a workshop and say, "Hey Dan, thanks so much. It's great. You know, I realised that I needed to get divorced." But I, ha I have a colleague over in the states who does similar work, Dave Jackie, and he's he. Uh, I don't think he's joking when he says that he calls it a goals articulation process. That he's, he reckons that in, in this work over over the years that he's it's resulted in two divorces. 
Wow. wow. What, like that, that could potentially be a really good thing in that yeah, case, though, right? Could, yeah, because, I mean, it's pretty scary to, to go onto it. This might put some married people off uh, of workshops and things, but, but the point is that if you if you tap into what you're really here to do and, um, and, and what you really, really want, and that turns out not to overlap at all with who you, the person you're married to or hopefully not married to yet, then, you know, that's that's reality. That, mm. That's how it is, and, I, and I'm not at all saying... I'm not saying that lightly. I'm not saying if, if you think that's the case, can get divorced at all. Um, but it, part of this approach is it's it's like don't dodge reality. You know, be honest, speak mm. your truth, be present to your truth, and move forward based on 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 that. And don't go uh, you know, mo- molly coddling or pretty prettying up the truth. D- mm. Don't argue with reality because that, it's it's not a it's it's not a good strategy. It's not a good life strategy. No, and I think just to put um, married couples at ease there. <laughs> <laughs> just in case, I just just like to mitigate any freaking out happening over the interwebs. Um, is is the fact that I'd imagine a lot of people go through this process, and none of those, and, and a lot of the time, most of the time, even the oh. fundamental building blocks of what make a great base rock platform in a oh. home space for people to then live out their own truths beyond that um, oh. for themselves. Is is usually fine, you know what I mean? It's like actually, we both want happy kids. We both want a nice, warm house. We both want, you know, you might have to talk about what city you want to live in moving forward, or a few things like that, and make some compromises. But that doesn't mean you're not being true to yourself. Totally. And the fact is, it's not like we just sort of just walk down the street and grab someone and marry them, right? Like if you've <laughs> married someone, you've done some of this work. He took me out to dinner a few times. <laughs> Like you've, you've spent some time like yeah. thinking about this and yeah. feeling to do, you know, presumably if there's no overlap between what you really want and someone you're married, to, you know, it's like, well, I don't know how, how that came about. Yeah. 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 yeah cool. we, oh, you go. Sorry. Oh, you go. I was just going to say, we, we have a family context. Um, so we, we've kind of over, over time evolved um, a bunch of statements about what matters most to us as a family. And I'll be happy to share some of those if that was of interest. Oh, yeah, what. I would love to hear those. What did you guys discover? Uh, so I'll read some of them out. So one is, and, and one thing to mention here is that that you, you use the wording that works for you and you and you want to arrive at something that you struggle to read without tearing up, you know, without feeling your waters rising or at least a little tingle in your spine. You know, the point is you do this work until it's you, there's a deep resonance between your your whole body mind and and, and what you've written down mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a deeply personal thing um but i've gotten over that and I'm happy to share it because <laughs> um, people kept asking for years so what is that we <laughs> just got to spill it yeah yeah we're a close family so we're a family right and yeah we don't want to not be close so yeah. we're a close family that's a thing we deeply want to be true um we are learning growing creating and laughing we don't want any of these things not to be happening. Our home is alive. We are time rich. We are physically and emotionally healthy and strong. We, that's something that matters. It's high level. Um, our children are happy, confident, free thinking, and learning skills relevant to the future. Uh, and there's some other ones. One yeah, thing that's probably, there's like a three-hour chat in each of these statements. But anyway, I, please continue. Yeah, yeah. And this was a real process. You know, my wife and I spent a lot of time um, evolving this. But one thing I wanted to, to share was that, so let's take we're a close family, quality of life statement. Uh, great. <laughs> it's pithy and aspirational and, and all that. But a huge part of this approach is like, okay, but how do you inject that into your life so that it actually 
become has a chance of becoming true. Yes. There's, there's this halo on the on the diagram. I mean, I can share an example for for the show notes, whatever if you like. But yeah, I'd love that. Thank you. Enabling actions. So we're a close family. Great. What are the actions that can enable that? That, that if we're doing these things day by day, week by week, month by month, they can inject truth into the, the statement we are a close family. So I'll read out some enabling actions. So one is we give each other space when needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go on fun adventures. We avoid situations that are likely to stress our relationships. That was after a 500-kilometer drive one day. <laughs> we we have lots of we have lots of cuddles and fun, you know. So if we're having cu- lots of cuddles and fun, and we're doing all these other things, we make time for each other, check in with, and support each other, and so on. The idea is that the chance of us being a close family is is much higher. It's not it's not enough just to say we're a close family. We're a close family. Or, or, you know, I'm, I'm prosperous, I'm prosperous, I'm prosperous. You can't just walk through life saying saying what you really want is a mantra, hitting yourself over the head with it, because that really can become a grandiose exercise in self-delusion. Mm. It's, it's not like you just say what you want and it magically happens. It's work, and you've got you've got to say, well, how do how do I how do how do we bring this about? What are the what are the things the kinds of things we need to be doing if the, these things have a chance of being true? Like underneath. We are physically and emotionally healthy, strong. We have, as enabling actions, as enablers, we lead active lives. We sleep well. We make space for quiet time and connection to body and breath. We mm-hmm. breathe clean air. We drink good water. We eat good food. We're connected with health practitioners who help when necessary. And so as we move forward in a really concrete way, we can we can make sure those things are happening. And, and if those things are happening, the chance that that we are all feeling physically and emotionally healthy and strong is, you know, it's, it, there's, a, there's a much higher chance of that being true. That Life is so interesting. I'm loving this. So good. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm enjoying the it's – lo- it's lovely sharing with you. Yeah. And I'm, feeling, you know, I'm really relaxing into the role of an um, interviewee. Yeah, you're doing a great job. <laughs> Look at you go. <laughs> um, so, you know, something that then made me reflect – as an example of how I haven't had a quality of life statement and or yep. for my family or myself and, um, you know, and listening and learning from you over this past hour um, and you sharing your, your family um, quality of life statements, uh, the one around the health and, um, you know, we'd just come out of seven years of living in an apartment that was water damaged and we didn't actually find out in a concrete way that it was until quite late in the piece. But my health suffered for years because of my genetics um, compared to my son and my husband. Um, and um, and had I have made a quality, and you know, I'm not shoulda, woulda, couldaing, and this isn't you know retrospective bringing myself down. That's not what this is about. Yeah. But a, a, as a way to then learn why this is important to then bring into the future life moving forward is had that been one of our top priorities as a family for each member of the family and I gone down the way I had, we would have moved out of there far faster. Mm-hmm. You know, is that the kind of thing that you start to see play out for people who put this into practice? Totally, yeah. And, and so you, you do have to be careful what you wish for. Like we've had some pretty remarkable adventures as a family by using this approach. Like we've ended up on this crazy New Zealand house bus adventure and, um, and, and, and whatnot. But cool. yeah, the, the idea is that if you can cultivate a deep, well, firstly, you can cultivate a deep awareness of what it is you're really about as a family or an individual or whatever. And secondly, you can convolt, uh, you, you can cultivate a deep um, kind of commitment to making decisions that make that true 
then yeah, suddenly things that some people would be like, what? You, you, you've just moved in, you're moving out, or you're going to this country, or you're quitting your career, you know, things that would be sort of out of the question, that some of these decisions become easy because mm. it's clear the impact they're going to have on what really matters to you. It, 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 I should maybe I'll mention that sometimes it's taken my mum, for example, quite a long time to get used to the fact that this is how we roll as a family. <laughs> yeah, I bet. It's well, just, I mean, you know, there's the older generation factor plus new yeah. way of thinking factor. So it's like a so double whammy. My sister, my, even my sister too, you know, like because it, what, one thing it means is that as life unfolds and things change, the decisions we make change in order to keep the core underlying things that matter to us true. So it's kind of hard to predict. It's not like, oh, that's what you guys are doing as a family. You're going to probably be doing that next year, next year, next year. So hang on, I thought you were going to do this, and now it's changed. Like, yeah, it made sense to change, so we changed. Mm. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Um, and, uh, like, I guess, um, it, what am I trying to say here? So I had these two examples, but I just feel like you've shared a really good example by dipping into what um, – what you guys have done for your family. Can this work for everyone from like gorgeous hippie family living out on the farm rurally to yep. double mortgaged lawyers, sorry, double um, working lawyers, mortgage to the hilt, city kind of living? You know, can we all bring holistic decision-making into our lives or is it for people who, you know, like I just think a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, we don't have time for that. <laughs> Yeah, think, yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that is such a hilarious kind of line to take. We don't have time for that because what you're saying is yeah. I don't have time for living the life I'm here to live. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't have time <laughs> no. for But that could be – I'm sure this is a really confronting chat for a few people out there. I'm feeling confronted in a few ways myself, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. It is slap well, – I was going to say slap in the face. In some ways mm. it's slap in the soul. It's like, hey, this is it. Well, this I feel like life. my head's you been dunked to... in a bucket of iced water and gone, okay, come on. Yeah, yeah, and I and I see a lot of my work these days is, is in the realm of what I call loving disruption, um, you know, in in in, in, the, in the sense of 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 bringing a challenge to others, and, and in doing so, I'm challenging myself in ways that I benefit from. But you know, kind of come on, let's what 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 would it look like to be to wake up and be alive and, 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 and to realize there's a there's a U-shaped hole in the universe waiting for you. And, mm. and it's just waiting for you to grow up into it. And then and then you can grow together. And you know, that that we all have this incredible potential inside of ourselves as individuals, as families, as, as, as what would it mean to be expressing that potential and to put that as the core focus of our lives rather than it being something that we might look back regretfully and not having tuned into um you know when we're on the deathbed mm. wowza so cool and so tell us about what i mean how do we what does a two-day workshop look like um in in this subject because i'd imagine you do lots of different length workshops but the one you're doing with the milkwood guys coming up and for anyone who catches this podcast months down the track and goes oh no i've missed it don't worry i'm sure dan has plenty of workshops happening in the future or you can connect to someone in the states or the uk doing something similar and if you've got contacts dan i'd love to share those yeah. in the show notes for people to connect locally with people working yeah. on this yeah i have a colleague in um, canada jevin Benakovich, who does very similar work, and we were in touch with each other, and he, he works with people in Canada and in the, in the states. Awesome. Mention it um, later. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm not on the circuit. Like I don't do a lot of these things, and usually just invitation of people like Milkwood ask me to do one. Mm. But 
they they they're mostly so but so far been one or two day events. Mm. Two, I, I like the two day ones because it means that people can get a feel for the approach and have time to practice. And I like the idea that you don't just get the theory and then go home and it's up to you to start practicing it. That yeah. after two days you walk away, you've already articulated the context, you've already tapped into and got a feel for quality of life and enabling actions and a few of the other layers we won't go into today. And you've started making decisions, so you've at least made a couple of decisions before you leave. So it's not about oh. Now I know what I really want. I just have to start making decisions after the workshop. So, oh, <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm starting to tap into what I really want. I've already made some decisions and it's feeling great. All I've got to do is keep doing the same stuff, you know. Yeah. So, for me, it's very much about um, b- bringing people experientially into the feeling of, 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 of living this this um, stuff and, 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 and making the landing as soft as possible and, and the possibility of continuing to roll with it. Um, uh, increasing that probability, and it's not like it's not like 100% of everyone that comes to my workshops is going to be using it a year, two years, five years from now. But a growing percentage are, and, and I'm constantly trying to find ways of increasing um, increasing that. And the way I'm approaching it these days is I start with the surfboard. So you know, in the first 10 minutes, people get the whole approach in my microcosm mm. in, a, in a nutshell. Um, and at each stage, so we, I unveil the, the surfboard and then we move up to the kayak and then the dinghy and by the end of the two days we're, we're, we're dancing the jig on the luxury yacht. Yeah. And, and every step of the way, I personally use what I call the me, we, you approach. So I start with me, I share an example, and then we go through an example together. So we're practicing and now it's your turn. So me, we, you. And if you're struggling, we step back to we. If we're struggling, we step back to me. And the point is that at each step of the way, everyone gets it, not just theoretically, but in their body before we move on to the next one. So even if someone had to leave um, on the last workshop, someone had to leave after the, towards the afternoon of the first day because a family member had just become violently ill, um, I, I like the idea that, that you could leave at any point and, and, and have enough to, to move on with rather than having to wait till the you know the last ten minutes of the last day for the whole thing to suddenly fall into place, and then you're going to sell us in on a ten thousand dollar course, right? That's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hate the way the internet does that these days. You get to go on a seminar, and then there's a little ninety nine dollar something, and then. But yeah. I, I just love the work you do. It's so real, and the fact that you actually want people to get it and be able to apply it after two days and be done with you. Is, exactly. Um, you make yourself redundant as soon yeah, as possible. Yeah. What I'm doing more of these days is we we um, I, I'm finding it helps if I if I kind of wind people up a bit, you know, a few days after the workshop. Like, if, if you're not if you don't move forward this this week, mm. the chances of you doing it next week are very slim. And then we we are, we just a few nights back, I had a Skype with a group of of of, of folk where they they'd gone on do more work and were able to feedback and give them some feedback. So a little bit of I'm easing to it a little bit more post course support but oh, yeah nice. point is to become redundant and and well, I mean it's not my main bag in terms of income and all that it's part of the mix but it's more about something that I do to deliver on my own quality of life you know, mm. which is that I feel like I'm I want to feel like I'm contributing tr- contributing to a more beautiful world by serving others and this is one of the it's, and it's the way it started is I, I was I got onto it and I found it so useful in my own life that I started to feel kind of a responsibility or I felt like it would be selfish not to um, share it with others because people were like hang on that you know what's good how how does how does that work Yeah, well, that's definitely how <laughs> I, I started so- my business, hundred percent. 
like how do we not know this or how are people finding it difficult yeah. to do this i'm going to help and you just yeah you yeah. feel called to it Bruce, and one thing i'll mention too is that a lot of the flavors we've covered today are not um unique to what i'm calling holistic decision making you know they're there in all kinds of different flavors and 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 so on and more you know the package the same core ideas are packaged in different ways and um, it's about making you know f- making the right decision for you and finding the right the right package. Mm. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe someone listening to this and myself will find themselves together in a workshop at some point in the future. I'm certainly not against that possibly. Yeah. Well, I can't make your May dates, but I definitely will be keeping my eye out for for one down the track because I'm I'm very um very keen to apply this to my own life. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for anyone who can make those May dates, I've popped them in the show notes so that you can check it out. I mean, any any course that Milkwood puts on is always a course worth doing, in my opinion, because they're so wonderful. And um, and yeah, no, it's just been such a pleasure chatting to you. So thank you so much for giving us a window into holistic decision making and how powerful it can be for us. Absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Alex. Awesome. Well, that's another show done. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Always so much inspiration from our beautiful guests. And I just want to take a minute to say thank you for taking the time to leave a review for our show because it helps us stay visible and helps other people who maybe haven't discovered it yet go, oh, that looks like it might be worth a look. So if the show has provided value to you, there's nothing you can do to thank me more than to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you access the show from. So what you do is you just search generally in the podcast app. Don't be in the list of shows because you won't be able to leave a review there. So once you've searched generally, you'll see the tile come up and you click on that tile and then a little set of tabs will come up and the middle one is called review. And from there, you can click it, star rate it and leave a review. And I appreciate that so much. Now, if you want to connect with the rest of the Lotox Life community, wherever on Instagram at Lotox Life or on the main website uh, where there are a whole bunch of recipes, some incredible e-learning opportunities depending on what your Lotox goals are. And that is www.lotoxlife.com. And of course, if you want to check out the podcast show notes, you just do forward slash podcast and everything's there. So I look forward to continuing our chats in between shows online in the community. Mm.